Today we will be continuing in our teaching on generosity. Praise God. And today we'll be talking about the practice of generosity. Two Sundays ago we talked about the principles of giving, the principles of seed time and harvest. Uh, And we established that it is an eternal principle that God has established. The principle of seed time and harvest. So as long as the earth remains, as long as there is winter and summer, as long as there is cold and heat, as long as there is day and night, seed time and harvest shall not cease. Last week we talked about the grace or the spirit of giving. The grace of giving, the spirit of giving. You know, I was in, in studying, I found out a lot of things about giving. That, you know, when when you begin to be a giver, when you begin to be a, 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 a generous person, there are things it does to your brain. To your, to your, there are, it has a scientific, scientific evidence of your growth hormones as you know what happens to your brain as you begin to give as you begin to do it more and more know that they, you know that people are addicted to giving they just like to give because they see there is a joy that are uh, it's it's associated with dopamines it begins to make dopamines be released and endorphins released in your body can you believe that you just want to do more that's why there are some people who just always want to do more just want to do more like wow they just take joy in giving but you see it starts when you start doing letter as you do letter it just happens in fact there are people who will be sad if they don't give if they don't give to others they don't do things they they, they just find joy and pleasure in seeing other people rejoice because of their actions Hallelujah. And so we're not talking about that today. So we talk about the spirit of giving uh, last week Sunday, uh, which is basically the grace of giving. And we said that you can grow in grace. You can grow. You can increase your capacity to give. You can grow in the grace of giving. And so today we will talk about the practice of giving. Tell your neighbor the practice of giving. And this basically, the practice of giving, basically, we're talking, today we'll be looking at the motivation. You know, we're talking the practice. This practice is basically the motivation of giving. What motivates you in your giving? What is it that motivates people to give? Has it ever occurred to you that people give for different reasons? (laughs) There are people who give to manipulate. There are people who give to impress. There are people who give to corrupt. Those of you from certain countries. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? There are people who give to corrupt. It's still called giving. They are still giving. And they do it happily. And they are strategic. With it. They plan it. Their motivation is corruptive. It's corrupt in nature. And I'll show you in the Bible. It's all it's it's here in scripture. And there are people who give to uh, corrupt this is him like bribe. <laughs> there are those who give because they love. They give to express what is inside. You know, sometimes we we'll think, oh, you cannot be a bad person and give. No, there are bad people who give. There are people who give to deceive. And so when you study the motivations for giving, and we're talking about the practice of giving today, because if you don't understand these, then your practice sometimes um, becomes somehow 
There are people who give actually because they are gambling. They give to increase. They give to gain. And there are people who do this even with God in church. Oh, hear me. There are people who give. They think that they are trying to corrupt God. It happens in church. The people who give <laughs> to corrupt the ministers. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about this topic. <laughs> and they won't tell you not to talk about it, but by their giving, you know. <laughs> Are you hearing me, somebody? There are some people who they, they can just be whatever they are. They just come with a fat offering. And they just give you, and you cannot talk. <laughs> you can't touch that topic. <laughs> In fact, you want to preach to just sow another seed. <laughs> I was hearing a minister talk about, I had a pastor talking about how um, there was a certain guy who went to a church, a prophet who went to a church, and he was preaching. And at one time he started praying. He picked up the microphone. He prayed against people who are scammers. They call them in Nigeria, Yahoo boys. They, they are internet fraudsters. As he wanted to pray, the the pastor of the congregation just came and said, the Lord has spoken to him, the pastor. Because he knew that if that prayer was done and certain things was done, it would spoil his business. So he just came. He said, the Lord has spoken to me. There is a car for you outside. And this guy who was about to prophesy just fell down. And just lay down on the floor of worshipping God. All of a sudden. You, you know why that was done? It's, it's corrupting effect. Just so that he will not touch that thing. So there are people who give to corrupt. In fact, there was a time, 2010, I remember this. I was in South Africa, Johannesburg. I was preaching. There was a guy I met. He called me when he saw me. He, he was like, oh, pastor... And, and some of these people, they really believe in pastors. He said, are you a preacher? He said, for real? So yes. So he came to find out, you know, there were other things he found out about me. He took me to one place. In fact, he called. He called, he called my wife's number just to verify, to authenticate that these things were real. Once he could authenticate, he said, pray for me. There's a business, a deal I'm doing. If it works, your ministry, your life will change forever. <laughs> So he took me there. Of course, he is, he showed me legit. He gives to a lot of ministers, a lot of ministries. And so we entered that place. It was the people in that place who want me. While we're there. And he went to go get some things. The people like, do you know this guy? This guy is one of the big fraudsters. Yeah, he's generous, but you need to be careful. And when he came back, I walked out. Because that giving was... You know, there are people who, before they steal, they go to pray. They go to sow a seed. In fact, it's so... It's so... It's so... People are so deep... They are so devious that sometimes they would take a package and go give in church because they believe in the power of prayers. They will give tithe of... Stolen goods and properties. Oh, no, no, no. I know you all are looking at me in unbelief. But it happens in reality. So we're talking about the practice of giving here. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. We're going to look at some things. So I told you there are people who give for different reasons, right? But then we're talking about this practice. We want to talk about the motivation of giving. Because if we can understand the motivation, you can do it anyhow and anywhere. You can do it well. And good. Amen. So let me give you a few examples in the Bible in a practice that was not good. Let's begin with Genesis. There's a man called Jacob. You know, Jacob was a very good man. Very good guy. Jacob was a master manipulator. And some of, he was a what? A master manipulator. And I don't blame Jacob that much because he actually was a family inheritance that he got. It was a family business. It was a what? Family business. 
His mother was like that. His uncle was like that. So he too was like that. But let's look at Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32 beginning from verse 1. It says, and I'm not going to read all those things. Um, Genesis chapter 32 from verse 1. So Jacob went on his way and an angel of the, an angels of God met him. So this was one who had interacted with the divine. Yet his motivations sometimes could still be ulterior. And angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's come. And he called the name of that place Mahanim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. So this is after he had had a divine encounter. He sent messengers to his brother and commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants. I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your side. So he first sent them to give advance notice of that he has a lot to offer. Then the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau and he also is coming to meet you and 400 men are with him. (laughs) You know what that did? So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed and he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. Then Jacob said, oh God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your family and I will deal well with you. <laughs> I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I cross over this Jordan with my staff and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the son of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So the Bible says that, well, let me just read on. So he lost there, and that same night, and took what came to his hand, as a present for Esau, his brother. That's verse 13. Let me ask you a question before we read further. What was Jacob's motivation for doing this? For taking a present for his brother? Do you think it was love? He loved his brother so much? No, no, no. It was manipulation. It was a way to buy favor. He had prayed to God. He didn't believe in the prayer he prayed. So he decided that he wanted to do something. Let me show you. To show you actually that it was to impress. It was to do something. Because sometimes even as believers we do the same thing. There are things that we should do to God or do for God. There are times we should pray. There are times we should be in service. There are times we should have a life that we live. To please God. To honor God. We don't do it until when there is a situation. Then all of a sudden we take our offering as a way to buy God's favor. Let's go, verse 14. See what verse 14 says. Verse 14. 200 female goats. I want you to see the, 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 the extent to which Jacob went. 200 female goats and 20 male goats. 200 ewes and 20 rams. 30 male camels with their colts. 40 cows and 10 bulls. 20 female donkeys and 10 fowls. Fowls. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servant. Every drove by itself and said to his servant, Pass over before me and put some distance between successive droves. This was a strategic giving 
Now he said, don't just take it all at once. He said, go. Little by. So by the time he sees the first hundred, like, no, there's more coming. <laughs> so that if his anger is plenty, it will be pacified gradually. <laughs> and that's how sometimes some of us are, like believers. What will you give to buy God's love? Nothing. There's nothing that you can give to buy his love. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Don't wait until you are in a dire situation. Then you want to now do what you should have done before. Because all of a sudden you want God's intervention. And that's how sometimes we as believers act. Even when we have divine encounters. Now, I'm not saying don't make pledges to God. That's not what I'm talking about. There are times when you like, Lord, Jacob prayed that. God, if you take me over this land and preserve me and bring me back, this is what I'll do. I'll give you a tent. He did that. And God kept his part. So he was not being reactive. He was being proactive. As a giver. If you want to practice giving well, don't just be reactive. Be proactive. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. You have a job. That job has not benefited your church, your congregation, the people around you. It is when that job is gone now that you're looking for a new job. You now start trying to do things because you want... No, 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 no. You are being reactive. God has blessed you. Let the work of God experience your blessing. Are you hearing me, somebody? Let the people of God experience your blessing. Let those around you experience that you are blessed. So we see Jacob here. And like I said again, there are different samples, but I don't want to dwell on what the negatives. There's another one you know very well, called Ananias and Sapphira. Let's go Acts chapter 5. Or let's begin from Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, beginning from verse... Number 32, now all the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there any among them who lacked for all who were possessors. For what? All. Somebody say all. You see... There are people who give, who, who, let me use the language they use, who pay tight because they are afraid. Can I give you a revelation? Don't be afraid. <laughs> you don't owe God nothing. God loved you before you started being a tighter. Amen. In fact, sometimes people give, they pay tight because with the Old Testament mentality of tithe. Will a man rob God? You have robbed me. I will, they are afraid of... So, so when they don't give tithe, then they have an accident. They say, oh, it's because I didn't give tithe. So, so you know, the robbers are robbing me. <laughs> if you don't tithe, your life will be tight. <laughs> you know, so, so you start hearing those things, right? So people now do it because they are afraid. I don't want a curse upon my life. I don't want a curse. Bible says God has redeemed us from the Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Amen. amen. I say amen. amen. Tide was teaching. If you see, if you do right things only because you are afraid, because your parents are going to whoop you, then you have not grown, you have not matured. Are you hearing me, somebody? The Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction takes it out, right? So there is time when, as a parent, there's a way you discipline. How you discipline. Maybe you whoop, like I do. I'll be the first one to tell you I do whoop. Or maybe you, however you discipline. But your goal is not so that your child will always, as they grow, you always continue to do that. Because it means that child is not growing. Are you hearing me, somebody? They are not maturing. It comes a time when the whoop 
it's not necessary anymore. When they start doing those things, you used to whoop them. They do it because they have fallen in love with the principle of it, with the spirit of it. They have now, the practice is not motivated by fear, but it's motivated by understanding and appreciation of foundations that were laid in their lives. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm not going to church because of my mother. My mother was dead a long time ago. But I used to go to church because of her before. Then I fell in love with it. And now I do it because of understanding and appreciation of the God who so loved me and gave himself for me. That's the same thing with giving. The tide was not there to put you to be afraid or the windows of heaven over my life will be closed. So I'm afraid and you are doing it, you are crying. You are doing it, you are, you are tightened. It's, it's a burden on you. Brother, sister, let me help you. That's not what God wants. We've not taken time to really study here about tithe. If we do that, if we do that, do uh, this and that. So, so it will mess some of your theologies up that you have. To really go through the Bible and look at it. So what? So the Bible says, no, was there any among them who lacked for all who were possessors of land? So there are people who, because of lack of understanding, they'll begin to go, oh, this was Old Testament practice. This is New Testament. No, the old is a shadow of the new. The new reflects the old. It's, an, it's, it's the reality of the old. So giving was a principle God wanted to teach his people and tithe was just the basic of it to help us grow. The Bible says, look at this, New Testament practice of giving. For all who were possessors of lands and houses or lands or houses sold them. Let me ask you a question. If somebody in this church sold their land or sold their house, houses and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold... Verse number 34, let me paint the picture well. And laid them at the apostles' feet. <laughs> and they distributed to each one as anyone has need. If somebody did that here, some of you will be questioning, these people, they are, ex- they are, they are exaggerated. I don't, I don't know if they know that, you know. How can you sell land and take the money to church? How? And you're going to give it to pastor? At least they are the poor around you who always need, you know. Am I helping some of you now? Social media, I'm helping some of you. But that, that was what happened. That's New Testament giving. Yeah. Yeah. It was not 10%. They sold lands and brought the money. I'm going somewhere about, we're talking about the practice of giving. We're talking about motivation here. And they laid them at, at the apostles' feet. They didn't take it to orphanages. They didn't take it to this and that. They laid them. They didn't take them to widows. They brought them to the apostles' feet. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Some of you have dabbled, you've heard me teaching on social media. You don't do this, don't do that. Take it to the okay. Let's, I'm showing you here New Testament, not Old Testament. Uh-huh. Lay them at the apostles' feet. Let's go. Let's go first. Let's go on. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus. Having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But said, but, see, okay, now, let's go, you see, verse, chapter 5, verse 1. Whenever you see but, there's about to be a contradiction. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. So they saw things happening. They saw the good practice of giving in the church. They saw it. They saw people laying money at the apostles' feet. They did it. People were doing it freely, happily. There was joy. No one had lack. They too made a decision and they went and sold their possession. And then they were too. Let's go on. And he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Question. When Joseph sold his land and brought the money, 
Did they know that that was all the money he sold for the land? When this man brought his money, did you think that they asked him, is that all you sold for the land? No, no, no. No. We're talking about the motivation. Because you see, you have got to, your giving has to be beyond what people know. Beyond what people can measure to what God knows. There's a God who sees beyond what is seen by humans. And he's the one who knows the intents of our hearts. And he kept that part of his process, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You're not lying to man. To lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. So, let me help you here understand this passage well. Peter wasn't saying... We need all the money from you. It is that you brought it as if it was all the money. You, you were trying to impress, give an impression. You were trying to enter a court and take advantage of a situation. Like, oh yeah, I've just, I've just surrendered all to God. You know, I decided to, my wife and I, we just decided to sell our land. We've just brought the whole money, you know. Oh, pastor, we just believe in what is happening here. Like, we've seen this. So we've just decided we just want to do... No, 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 no. So, so let me show you why. Why have you decided to keep part for yourself, part of the land for yourself? Not because Peter wanted all the money. Verse 4 answers it. He said, while it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own, was it not in your own control? In other words, you could control whether you wanted to give 10%, 25%, 1%, 0, 100%, or 90%. Whatever you wanted to do was yours to do. The thing is, just don't give because you're trying to deceive or you're trying to impress. Or you're trying to buy something from God. Am I helping somebody here this morning? This is the close of 2023. And this is important. This is very critical. Because we are growing as a church. We are growing as individuals. There are people who would not give a dime or a dollar. But if they see miracles happening here. Or they hear a prophetic word. All of a sudden. That they want to give because they want to tap into that word. Or because they want their own prophetic word. You are trying to buy a miracle. You're trying to buy the gift of God. And that is wrong. <laughs> and, and I'm saying this because sometimes we'll become numb to these things. I remember, I think 2707, I had a roommate. We came back from church. And there was a rebroadcast on TV, Christian TV. I'm not going to mention the name of the Christian channel. Big channel. And uh, we sat down together on the couch. We weren't watching. We just sat down and turned on the TV. That was what was going on. There was a man there who was preaching. He was sharing a testimony how this and that. He was raising an offering. If you give $100 now, or no, $1,000 now, I can assure you the Holy Spirit will walk into your room. At this and that. And, that, and, that. and he just kept going on. Sales speech. And my roommate got under pressure. And started. Then he said this. He said the first. And that was where he got me. Because he was, you know, really talking. And, you know, somebody you respect. I respect him. I'm with greatness. He was talking. And you, you can see proofs of their ministry. Because they had a lot of evidence to show over time. So I was, he was talking. He said the first 30 people to do this. I'll guarantee you the Holy Spirit will walk into your room. That was what got me. The first 30 people. Then I looked on the screen. It was showing that this was recorded two days before. So even if I do it, I'm not going to be among the first 30 people. So I don't need. Because the Holy Spirit is not going to walk into my room. <laughs> and my roommate was like, you think? I said, no, 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 I don't think you should. Because you're doing it under pressure. And he started it. He gave part on his credit card and stuff like that. And then afterward, it's like that, that pressure weighed off of him. And I was like, please, I shouldn't have done this, you know. And I just told him, just call them and cancel. Tell them, the one you've given, let them just keep it. The rest of it, you're not going to be able to. It was $1,000. Mm-hmm. He only had $100 to give that day. And he was going to be under pressure. Let me tell you this. Nobody can guarantee you that the Holy Spirit will enter your room. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah, right. Nobody. In fact, the Holy Spirit is already 
in you, in your room. So when he entered the day, the time you entered, <laughs> amen. <laughs> he entered the time when you entered. I'm talking to you about motivation. Forgive me. So Peter asked, he said, while it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. So what was the difference between Ananias and Sapphira? Because, you know, and the money that they brought could have been bigger than that of other people who had smaller lands. It was the lie. It was the motivation of giving. And this was in the New Testament church. And the Bible cut the long story short. They died that day. The first death. Let me tell you this. Hear me. You're going to see something about giving that's very critical. Do you know the first death? The first death that happened in the Bible. Not the death of man. Not the fall of man. The first death that happened in the Bible in Genesis was overgiving. Cain and Abel was over what? Giving. The first death also that happened in the New Testament church was overgiving. Did you hear me? The first death that happened, the first murder that happened on the earth was overgiving. The first death that happened in the New Testament church was over what? Giving. Was over giving. So motivation. We're talking here about the practice of giving. The practice of giving. Giving looks very, it's very simple. You have the free will. Do it with your free will. Do it with your heart. Do it because you love. But your motivation should be what? Love. Nothing more. It should be what? Love. 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 So looking at love, let's go to Genesis chapter number 22. And uh, I think we'll dwell here and then we'll close from here. Because my time is fast spent. If you want to finish the story of what happened to Ananias and Sapphira, you can begin to read it on your own. This passage, Pastor Peter preached about it uh, some weeks ago. I think the first first Sunday in in December, first Sunday in this point, he mentioned this while he was ministering. He says, "Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to Abraham, and said to a to said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. Then he said." Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Take now what? Your son, not my son. And I remember God didn't tell him, take the son that I have given you. Because God didn't want this to be manipulative. Because if God tells you, this is you know, what I've given you, then you begin to all of a sudden think that you owe God. God says, no, it is yours. Take now your son. And that, by the way, he reminds you, he's your only son. <laughs> whom you love. <laughs> whom you love. Every gift you ever give to God... Is your only comes from you. You have a sentimental attachment to it. And you have to willingly and deliberately path with it. And you will feel the loss of it. Hallelujah. Amen. Pastor Blaze is preaching really good. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> no, 
don't worry, when we get to other topics, you'll be telling me a lot of amen, hallelujah. <laughs> this, this one is one of the ones where you sit and listen a little bit. But I'm teaching, I'm just teaching. You're like, Pastor, this is not what we want on the crossover. We win, you know, we need <laughs> the, the end of the year. This is, it's part, you know, it's, life is a continuity. <laughs> just because you go to 2024 does not mean that. <laughs> you say, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. God was allowing process. One of the, he didn't tell him the specific mountains. So as you are going, you will have time to ponder if you really want to do this. On one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. You ask. Oh. Let's back up a little bit. Genesis chapter... 15. Okay? Genesis chapter 15. Verse 1. He said, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. But Abram said, Lord, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring indeed. One born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. So in, so in chapter 15, we see Abraham here praying and beseeching God. About his predicament. He goes childless. And here God has given him what he's prayed for and asked for. And now God is saying, that which you prayed for, that which I gave you freely. But God did not remind him that I gave you. God said, take him, go off him to, to me. And sometimes that is the situation with, with us. That, you know, whatever you have. You didn't get it by your power. You say, oh, pastor, I worked really hard. I know you worked hard. Do you know how many people work hard? Or work harder. They all pastors my labor. Oh, you've been blessed. Been blessed. <laughs> you've been blessed. There are people who have labored. There are people who are educated. There are people who are gifted. They don't have the opportunity that you and I have. They have not been able to test. Of this goodness that you have tasted of. Of the succor that you have tasted of. So Abraham had this gift. And God says now take and go. One of the places I will show you. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning. And saddled his donkey. And took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Now, do you know that this is not the first time that God was telling Abraham to give? Abraham had been a giver. Abraham was generous. He'd done this before. And it's not only he'd done this before, even Isaac with him had seen him do it. So when they said, oh, let's take the wood and take this and let's go saddle. His, his, his servants knew that Abraham did these practices always. They say he rose early in the morning. Let's go verse 4. And I'll tell you why I'm saying all of this. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes. So the journey took him three days. <laughs> three days to ponder. Three days to think. Three days to wonder. If this only child, this one that you had prayed, that you had hoped would do this, sometimes the, 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 the resources that God puts in you, it's in your hand. You, are there, you can see it. You can know what it can do for you, do to you. And yeah, he is prompting your heart, touching your heart, letter by letter. This person is praying. Can you just give to this person? He's just touching. He's talking on your heart, letter. You know, God doesn't poke too hard. He's not like the devil. He just touches then you remember somebody. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, I should do this. Like, oh no, no, I need that money for it. I need it. <laughs> you, you answer that question within your heart. 
There's sometimes you go to your church or like you're here and then there's, oh, there's need. There's need in the church. Oh, you know you can do this, you can do that. Oh, there's this. Like, oh, no, no, forget it. Uh, we are all giving. You know, I just have my own level I'm giving. <laughs> I've already given my offering. I've already given my $20. I've given my $10. That building project, yeah, we'll build it. <laughs> when, when somebody, when God does a miracle, somebody will come from somewhere, you know, pastor will share the testimony. And God is telling you, you should be one of that somebody who does it. Just touching your heart. I gave you this as an opportunity for you to grow. That job I gave you because I wanted to use you. You know, that business. What I've blessed you with, I gave you because I want to use you. I like that. Sit and get over me. If I do this, you know what will happen to this and that. <laughs> you know, if you've heard about the Green family or if you're in Tulsa, you go to ORU. You hear people who gave, they've, they, they gave $75 million the first time. $75 million gift, not a loan. Million. Not $7,500 because some of us have not reached seven fifty. <laughs> we've not reached seven fifty. In fact, some people have not reached $75 yet. And then they, they feel happy that the money they were getting, they see now why the money was to be able to give. And it's not just an overview that they have been given. They feel their channels. Hallelujah. What, I'm talking about the practice of giving. Because you've got to, your motivation is your motive, is your intrinsic value that nobody sees. Motivation, there's two kinds of motivation, right? There is external motivation, there's internal motivation. External motivation is what people make you do, but the motivation that lasts is the one that is internal, is intrinsic. Not what people make you do, what you have made yourself do. What you've decided to do. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. After three days. So, is this punishment? You want to give, you will see travel and see go through hoops. That shows you are really the practice. This is something you really want to do. After walking for three days, he saw the place. It was still far. And he kept going. Let's go on verse 5. Going somewhere to close here soon. This will be one of the most important messages you hear. And Abraham said to his young man, stay here with the donkey. And the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Giving is a form of worship. Giving is an expression of your worship to God. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and that can be heartbreaking. And he said, Here am I, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now hold on here. Why was this young man asking? He's been through this journey before. He's been before to give with his father. He had seen it done. He knew that even when they go, there's always these elements. But all of a sudden, one of the elements is missing. So he's asking his father. And yet, as a father, he gets a chance to be reminded that the, the, the one that you love is asking you where is the gift. And you know that he is the gift. How heartbreaking. Verse 8. We're going somewhere. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Now, people who speak from the place of faith will say, he said, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So it's like Isaac knew that Jacob, that, sorry, Abraham knew that there was be a substitution. No, 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 that's not true. That's not true. We can project that, but that is not true. Because if he knew, then it was not a test. Because he knew what the outcome will be. He was answering that as just the way he can answer that young man for them to go. So the two of them went together. Verse number 9. But let me tell you this. Isaac had a clue that he himself was going to be that. 
Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there, and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Question to you. Do you know how old Abraham was at this time? He was over a hundred years old. Isaac was about 17. A young man, strong. Have you tried recently to smack your 17 year old? <laughs> Have you tried to put them down just to... My, my son, one of my son is... Uh, is what well, we wrestle. Try They'll, they'll show you that they are powerful. Oh, yes. And Isaac at, a hundred, at least 117, he just bound, I mean, Jacob at 117, um, Abraham at 117, he just bound Isaac, and Isaac just stood there. You think that's what happened? No, 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 no. No, that's not what happened. If Isaac was unwilling there will be a fight. And Abraham might have ended up the sacrifice. <laughs> Are you hearing me, somebody? <laughs> yeah, Abraham might have said, well, since, since you're old and I'm ready to take over as the heir, we might as well. Since you wanted to give me, I might as well give you. <laughs> God has spoken to you, so by, by transfer, he has spoken to me now. <laughs> so the, the thing is reversed. No, when Isaac knew that this was it, he trusted his father. And this was, hear me, this was a type of Christ. Jesus said, I lay down my life for my own. No one takes it from me. At this time, Isaac was a shadow of Jesus. He laid down his life. He willingly, voluntarily gave himself up as a sacrifice. As his father had already given him up in his heart. As far as Abraham was concerned, Isaac died the day God spoke to him. Those three days was not anything because Isaac was dead in his heart. Oh, I'll show you here in the Bible. So they went, and of course the whole story is cut short. They went there, he bound him, and he put him on that altar. And when he was about to kill him, the Bible says, God called, an angel of the Lord called. Let me just go to it. Verse 9, we read it. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel, and now when you see the angel there, it's an angel with an uppercase A. That's the angel of God's presence. That's talking about the angel of God himself. But the angel, because at this time, Christ, <clears throat> Jesus was not known. The name Jesus was not known, but you know, Christ had always been the Messiah. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here am I. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For what? For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Now I know that what you fear God. This fear here is not talking about uh, afraid. It's talking about a reverential fear that brings about love. Now I know that you are motivated by love for God. You are not transactional with God. You are not doing this because you want God to give something to you. You are doing it because you fear him. You have a reverence for him. You have a love for him. Yes. Now I know by your of giving it confirms to me God that you love me and that you reverence me and that you there is nothing too big for you to offer now I know 
Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a ticket by its horn. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. So from now, when you begin to say Jehovah Jireh, understand the context of it. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you. And multiply, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, as the sun which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Hallelujah. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Ask question to you. Did you think that the young men knew what happened to Abraham? No. They never saw the motivation of Abraham. Abraham came back with Isaac. They didn't know what had transpired. But his motivation for giving was tested. You know when I told you that in Abraham's heart, Isaac was dead? Hebrews chapter 12. Oh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 11. Verse number 8, as we close. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which would receive an inheritance when he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs which the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child. When she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the skies in a multitude innumerable as the sun which is by the seashore. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, let's go on. Verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. But having seen them afar off, a short of them, embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they speak, that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, verse 17, can you see this? By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up. The Bible didn't say intended to offer up. Offered up Isaac. He offered, he gave him up. And he who had received the promises, offered up his only begotten son. Hey. Of whom? It was said in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Hold on. So he knew that in offering up Isaac, the whole promise, the whole potential of Isaac, the whole potential of God's promise and manifestation will be lost, will be gone in offering up Isaac. And this is why sometimes people have a problem giving to God because they look at their seed, they see the potential, they look at their money, they look at their resources, they see what it can afford them, what it can do for them, and they don't know how to pass away with it because they have hope anticipated with it. They see it, they see a car. They see it, they see a house. They see it, they see what they can, how their life can be changed. So they don't know how to offer it up. But go on to verse 19. 
Verse 19. Concluding. When he offered up. This is what he concluded. Because he had given up Isaac already. Concluding that God who was able to raise him up. Even from the dead. From which he also received him in a figurative sense. In Abraham's heart, Isaac was dead. He was dead because the Bible says he gave him up knowing that if you being the master, ask me of this child and I give him. I don't know, but I know that you are a miracle working God because first of all, my body was able to produce a child when it was impotent. So if you say this is what I should do, I will do it willingly. It is difficult, it is hard, but I will do it. And so the Bible says, he concluded that God was able to raise him up. Even from the dead. From which he also received him. So when God says, Abraham do not slay. That was the resurrection of Isaac. That was the resurrection. Because to, to, to Abraham, Isaac was gone. He had slain him. Three days he had a chance to ponder. He had a chance to change his mind. He had a chance to give up. When a boy asks, I can see the wood, I can see this, but where is the sacrifice? He already knew it was gone. It was going to come back empty handed. <laughs> oh, but he believed the God who was able to raise him from the dead. Even if God didn't raise him from the dead, he would still do it. Let me tell you this the practice of giving. Your giving becomes mature when even if God doesn't give you anything. God is not a casino. It's not a slot machine where I, Lord, I put, I put now and I take and I take. I give, press down, shaken together, running over. Lord, I give now. Give back to me. No, no, no. God, even if you don't give back to me, I give because I love you. Hallelujah. <laughs> I give because I love you. Because you don't even have to give back. What I give is what you've given me. There's a song they used to sing when I was a little child in the Catholic Church. They sing it in Pigeon. Pigeon English. It says, it is, the, it is the thing that you've given me that will bring him back to you. Now it is where they bring him. So, so what you are bringing is what is out of what he has given you. Are you hearing me, somebody? That's what he's given. You you are bringing it back to what he has given you already. Hallelujah. So even if there was nothing that was given, I started first with nothing. So that I have something to give, it is because you were so generous to me. You were so kind to me. Hallelujah. Living well as you close this year 2023, close it with a better practice of giving. With a better understanding, appreciation of giving. And decide that God from this day forward, there is nothing too big for me to release for you. For your kingdom's sake. When you, when you do this, you become free liberated from the traps of resources you are able to bless people you are able to take care of things you find out that you become more generous and you begin to grow a lot more and you find out you never lack you never lack anything because God himself put the principle there is no way the Bible says a generous soul shall be made fat he who waters shall himself be watered it is already principle so there is even the one where I say if you do it and God doesn't do anything it's a lie because God has already said the general soul shall be made fat. You have no choice but to be made fat. When you water, you have no choice but to be watered. When you give, the Bible says he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord and the Lord will repay him. When you do that, you can be guaranteed, you can be rest assured that God is a faithful God who keeps his word. Will you rise to your feet as we close? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor, Father. There is nothing. Nothing too big. Nothing too big. Nothing too great. Nothing. 
not into small. And that's why in Second Corinthians, the principle of giving there, or the principle of giving, he says, it is required that one give out of what he has, not what out, out of what he doesn't have. And you know, I've always said that if you're going to give, uh, and and then you will be afraid, or you give. God loves a cheerful giver, but there's some gifts that you will give that you'll not be cheerful about. You'll be crying because I can bet you that Abraham was not cheerful when he was giving Isaac. He was not. Oh yes, now I'm going to go give my son. <laughs> cheerful giver is good. It's a start. There are some ones that are painful giving. Painful. You are doing it cheerfully. I know what the Bible says. Those who sow in tears shall doubtless come back. They will come back with joy, reaping the harvest, sheaves of harvest. Those who sow in what? In tears. In tears. In tears. Those who sow in tears. Practice both. If you are the person who have been giving and you have never come to the place where there's a tears, you just do it out of ease. It's ease. Grow. Let there be a level where you do it and there's a stretch. A stretch. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Just lift up your voice. Let's thank God for his word. Good word. Good word. Father, we thank you for your word. The truth of your word. We thank you, Father, for you are good and you are faithful. Lord, we give you praise. We give you glory. Lord, we give you honor and adoration. We thank you, Father, for you are a faithful Father. We thank you, Lord. You are worthy to praise. You are worthy. You are worthy of honor, of adoration. Lord, we give you praise. We give you glory. Oh, we thank you for the practice of giving. Because we only give because you first gave us. We give because you first gave us. What manner of love is this? That one should lay down his life for his friends. Oh, Lord, you gave. You gave it all. You gave your life for us. You gave your life for us. What is it that we can give that is worth your life that was given for us? Jesus, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor and adoration. Amen. The Bible says, freely you have received. Freely give. Be generous. Learn to be generous. It is more blessed to give than to receive. More blessed. That's what Jesus said. Paul echoed it. He says, remember the Lord of our, the words of our Lord that it is what more blessed to give than to receive. You know the joy that you have when you receive. Hey, thank you for remembering me. Start remembering people. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're watching online and you are not born again, the greatest gift that there is is the gift of Christ. Amen. And he's already given it. He's already laid down his life for you and I. And I want to invite you to open up your heart to him. Receive him today. The gift of him. Because he is truly the practice of giving. He died for you. Write to us wherever you are. And we will gladly pray for you. Pray with you. And if you need the Bible. You're watching and you're born again. You just got born again. You need a Bible. We will gladly help you get a Bible. So you can grow in your newfound faith. And in your love for God. Father I pray for everyone who watch this broadcast. Who needs salvation in their life. That you Lord you draw them close. That as you knock at the door of their hearts. That Lord they will hear. They will open up their hearts to you. They will receive your son Jesus Christ. They will receive eternal life. And salvation will be theirs. Help them to grow in the walk. And walk with you Lord. Amen. Also if you are watching online. And you have never given a donation. You have never given an offering. To living word. I want to urge you. I, I just failed to do this. See, you don't have. I just want to urge you. I want to encourage you. The ability to broadcast is because we have equipment here that we purchased. And we continue to do that. We continue to do a lot of things to enhance your worship that you are able to be with us. Consider going online. Livingwordtorsa.com And make a gift there. As we close this year. Make a gift. Generous offering. To help us continue to propagate this word. Amen. God bless you richly as you do. Now if we look to the screen. As we close this morning. I want to pray for you. 
I may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Cause his face to shine upon you. May he give you peace in all your ways. May your going out be blessed. And your coming in be blessed from this time forward and forevermore. You are blessed in your body. You are blessed in the field. You are blessed in the city. In the name of Jesus. People will rise up and call you blessed. May the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and add no sorrow to it be yours. May sorrow be far away from your life. May the favor of God surround you as with a shield. In the name of Jesus Christ. Wherever people shall say there's a casting down, you will say there's a lifting up. The works of your hands are blessed. In the name of Jesus Christ. Your body is blessed and sickness is far away from you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen.